0: Good evening, and welcome to Slam the Gavel, the show that tells it all regarding family court, other court issues, as well as CPS. I'm your host, Marianne Petrie. And since 2016, Monica Shimonik has been coaching moms and dads as they navigate through the treacherous waters of the family law racket. Aside from workshops, which helps with specific problems, her 12-week signature course, The Best Interest of the Parent, uses a four-quadrant model to create a robust healing and empowerment system so that you control the narrative in your life, not the state. Use coupon code SLAMTHEGAVEL to get 10% off her course, and that will be in the podcast notes. I have a pretty awesome guest here. I have Dorsey Pruder on. She is the founder and CEO of Conscious Co-Parenting Institute, a Dorsey incorporation company. She is recognized as one of the top reunification specialists worldwide and is also a certified master coach and family mediator. Through reunification, coaching, and co-parenting, education, Dorsey provides strategies and solutions for parents and children to reconnect and stay connected during and After High Conflict Separation, Divorce. Dorsey has created several different coaching programs that meet the family's needs depending on where they are at in the family court process, ultimately so the children can be free to have a relationship with both parents. I completely welcome you, Miss Dorsey Pruder, onto my Slam the Gavel podcast. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me here, Marianne. I'm excited to be here and share with your audience today.
0: We have a lot uh, to learn from you. and um, you know, the reunification process is very difficult from what I have been hearing from parents. and um, as far as you know um, the lines of child custody cases in the family court system, you know it seems like when there is an emotional and physical cutoff between one parent and the child, what happens?
1: Yeah. So oftentimes um, in the family court and the adversarial legal process, um, either through the legal process or from one parent influencing the children, um, the the one of the parents what is frequently referenced as the targeted parent, I like to call the chosen parent, experiences an emotional cutoff between the parents, between them and their child or children. And what often happens is the system, the, the family court system, they don't understand what this family dynamic is. And so they fuel the problem instead of solving the problem. And um, so, when there's a breach in a relationship between a parent and a child, it should be repaired sooner rather than later. And oftentimes it's a, um, it's a delusional breach, right? It's a fictitious breach that's been created by the other parent and then um, uh, fueled by the family court system. And so too much time or a lot of time goes by between Um, when they decide they're going to solve it or try to fix it and when the child and the parent lose contact and frequently those kids don't really understand what's happening and they start to buy into a false narrative about their targeted parent Mm -hmm. yeah
0: and so when all this time has lapsed you know with all these you know this covid going on as well it seems like some of these parents who have the child in custody are keeping them away from the non-custodial parent. True. And this is causing like a lot of damage because so much time has passed and this kid is getting mixed up.
1: Yeah. So a lot of times COVID is used as a reason to not share parenting. Um, It doesn't necessarily have to be the non-custodial parent. Oftentimes there's shared parenting already happening, but COVID is used as an excuse by a pathogenic parent to keep the child away from the other parent. And um, it doesn't take that long to indoctrinate a child into the pathology of a pathogenic parent, right? Oftentimes they do things like um, they have unmanaged emotions, right? So the pathogenic parent will have extreme behavior and unmanaged emotions and say things to the child that creates or instills fear in the child about the other parent that they had, that's normal range and they had a normal range relationship with. And so time marches on and Mm -hmm. now the court systems are backed up and the court doesn't really know how to handle these situations. Frequently we're asking family law, right? Lawyers and judges who are just lawyers. Um, to solve a mental health crisis in the family and they don't know what to do and so they're leaning on the mental health community but unfortunately the mental health community the lion's share of that mental health community surrounding family court they don't know what they're doing they don't understand this family dynamic and there's this whole you know inner fighting of this thing. Is parental alienation a real thing or is it, you know, junk science? And then, Mm -hmm. you know, back and forth the experts go, which are all just red herrings to me. It's just really child psychological abuse and we should protect children from all abuse all of the time. And we have a philosophy at Conscious Co-Parenting Institute that it's about integration, not elimination. But first we we have to understand what's happening, right? So there's an assessment which leads to diagnosis, which leads to a proper treatment. And oftentimes the mental health providers, they skip that step, right? Or mm-hmm. the judges skip it. They do an evaluation, let's say, but these evaluators, they, there's no meaningful data output in their evaluation and they, they make recommendations that are just insane and mm-hmm. they fuel the cutoff between a parent, a normal range parent and a child.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of parents will say well you know they're doing that to drag out the case and drag it out for money. Mm-hmm. And in the end the, the the child suffers.
1: Of course. And a, yeah. and apparently
0: I other people said well the judges don't care. Other people say the judges aren't educated enough. What do you yeah. think?
1: I think it's um I think the judges aren't educated enough. I think that some judges just don't care. Um, I think a lot of judges just don't know what to do. So they're relying on the professionals and the professionals also don't know what to do. So they do nothing or they oftentimes respond with the opposite of what needs to happen. And so they leave children with abusive parents. You know, I, I was just saying this yesterday to somebody else that we are today where we were about 45. Five years ago, with child sexual abuse, it was only in the last few decades that um, child protective services became a thing and, and we as a society said, "Hey, you know what we probably shouldn 't have sex with children yeah mm-hmm. that 's not a good idea that 's child sexual abuse and it 's only been the last couple of decades that physical abuse has become something that's investigated by Child Protective Services. So now we are with child psychological abuse where we were a few decades ago. It's like, oh, hey, wait a second. We probably shouldn't alienate children, right? We probably shouldn't psychologically abuse children um, because this actually causes damage from the inside out, right, it it leaves Mm -hmm. a scar that we can't physically see. And the mental health community surrounding family court, you know, um, I I hate to say it, but a lot of them are incredibly incompetent when it comes to this family dynamic and Mm -hmm. they get it wrong. We look at custody evaluations every day. We've looked at thousands and thousands of them and I would say 98% of the time they get it wrong. There are a couple that we've seen where they get it right. They understand what's happening, but they still don't make a proper recommendation. So the family still continues to suffer. And you know we we facilitate a, a program i created called the high road and it's a 4 day intensive that does get court ordered and it does require a protective separation but it's a temporary protective separation from the abusive parent right so we don't mm-hmm. leave children with abusers we remove children from abusive parents and then we rehabilitate right so it's about mm-hmm. reintegrating with the left behind parent what would be considered the targeted parent reuniting repairing that relationship And then reintegrating and repairing the relationship with the pathogenic parent, too. So a lot of people have this mindset that it's like, oh, you take children from parents. Well, I don't take children from anyone. And but when the court responds appropriately, we protect all abused children all of the time. Then we recover the family. Just like if the child was being beaten, we would remove a, a child from the the abusive parent right and mm-hmm. and the child protective services always has a reunification protocol where they want to rehabilitate the family and reunite that's really really critical, and I think that's missing in family court all across the world. they just mm-hmm. don't get it and it's I think it's part of the problem is court is such an adversarial um, Uh, avenue right because Mm -hmm. in court we have this belief that there is a winner and a loser but there is there in family it's always a family so there shouldn't be a winning parent so when we have these adversarial or this family court system the prize is the child or the children and this causes so much conflict even in people that wouldn't necessarily be you know in high conflict it just stirs the pot does that make sense
0: Oh, it does. You know, because this is a global issue.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And it's very hard. I mean, I would think it would be very hard to reunify. What, What do you do when you don't? Well, what do you do when you have a parent that just is not cooperative?
1: Yeah, that happens a lot. So, um, well, that's where in those extreme cases, the court should intervene and remove the child from the uncooperative parent and place them with the other parent, right? And Mm -hmm. then um, in some of those cases, like for High Roads, for example, the court encourages the uh, pathogenic parent to participate in the rehabilitation, if you will. And Mm -hmm. sometimes they don't do it. The good news is we actually take a very different approach approach than um, most, if not all other programs available where we actually focus on teaching the child how to be in relationship with both parents. So Mm -hmm. instead of um, the child having to pick one parent over the other, right, we teach the child how to be in relationship with all kinds of people, because the child loves both the mother and the father, the child Mm -hmm. wants a normal relationship, right? But sometimes they have abnormal parents, right? They have parents with pathogenic behavior, and sometimes they have a narcissist or a borderline parent. And so it- They still love that parent. So it's not about eliminating that parent. It's about teaching the child. So sometimes the parent is uncooperative, but we always do it under the guise of child protection. So we monitor the child's behavior to see how they are as you reintegrate with a pathogenic parent to make sure that the child is capable of withstanding the pathology, right? And a Mm -hmm. lot of kids get to that point, right? Once they learn the skills and they master them, it just becomes part of how they show up in the world which changes really the trajectory of their family forever. Mm
0: -hmm. Because this is going to affect multiple generations coming up, which will create more divorces in the future. Yes. Yeah. (laughs)
1: More, more divorces, more, Emotional cutoffs in families, you know, we, we have to solve it now. And the, the, the solution is available. You know, we have a solution. It's just getting everybody um, in the legal community and in the mental health community trained up to understand, like, this is what's happening. Here's how you assess it. Here's how you diagnose it. And here's how you treat it. Here's how you prevent it from escalating. And, you know, And the good news is I've been doing this since 2006, I've been doing this a long time that, you know, You can recover kids at any stage. So, a lot of people believe, well, once they're fully alienated, or once they've, you know, if decades have gone by, there's nothing you can do. But that's just simply not true. We actually teach the parent, the targeted parent. I like to call him the chosen parent. I really believe that the child chooses that parent because they know they're the healthier of the two parents and that that they know that that parent is going to do the work necessary to recover their family. And the other parent, the allied parent, The child is with that parent because that parent is fragile, right? They're emotionally unstable and the child is parenting up to the other, other parent. And so they really want the chosen parent to do the work that needs to be done to recover the family. Mm -hmm. And we've seen it. We've, we've taught these skills and we've seen these parents time and time again, rise Mm -hmm. up and recover their kids. Mm -hmm. Have you had any cases that just were not
0: successful? Um, this, I'm sure I'm sure that happens with anything, but have you seen any of that or?
1: Yeah, so it depends on what kind of case you're talking about. With mm-hmm. the high road, we recover all the kids that attend the high road. The long-term success really depends on the maintenance care, mental health provider, the family systems therapist, their ability to follow the protocol, and also the chosen parent. So sometimes the chosen parent... Um, isn't really willing to go the distance. They rec- we recover their kids. They get the few months and then they succumb to the pressure of the court or sometimes they're remarried. They succumb to the pressure of the new spouse who is like, wait a second. I thought I wanted this, but now you have your kids and I don't really want this. So, mm-hmm. you know, you need to choose. So we mm-hmm. can't control, you know, those kinds of environments and those situations outside of what we do. But in the high road, we recover every kid. So mm-hmm. we teach the child the skills and by the time they're finished, it's a four-day intensive. They, um, they are having normal range parent-child relationship with their normal range parent and then how they handle it from there. You know, some of these pathogenic parents, you know, they go bananas after um, a protective separation and they don't do what they need to do in order to reintegrate with their kids. Mm -hmm. Um, But if there's enough time, the child learns the skills, the child can actually learn how to manage their pathogenic parent and they it sounds terrible to say, but they're already managing their pathogenic parent in an unhealthy way. So we teach them the skills on how to manage their life in a healthy way and still have a relationship with a parent who is very unmanageable, if you will, right? A parent mm-hmm. who has mm-hmm. unmanaged emotions. Yeah. Wow. Well, um, you know, some
0: kids, you know, they have pressures at school. They've got all this going on at home. -hmm. You know, and I'm, and you hear of these sad cases where children are committing suicide as well over these issues. Do you ever take these parents aside
1: and say, What are you doing? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Many times I say to parents, What are you doing? I say that a lot, actually. I say things like that. And then sometimes parents will call us all spinning and I'm like, What do you want? like what, what do you want? And half the time they don't even realize they're so destabilized in their own emotional, like, um, you know, dysfunctional state, that they don't Mm -hmm. even know like what they're doing to their children. Both parents we have, oftentimes we have cases where we have a narcissistic dad and a, and a borderline personality disordered mom. And, you know, those are the saddest cases, right? You have kids that have two disordered parents and, um, yeah, they, they don't understand how their conflict and their inability to be in relationship with each other and co-parent impacts their children.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I, even in the best divorces, I think people, you know, when people get divorced, they oftentimes toss all their parenting out the window at first, right? They're like, oh my gosh, this is happening. And what's, go-? you know, they're, they're emotionally, but normal range people can regulate their emotions, regulate their cortisol, right? And say, okay, you know, we need to do what's best for our family because it's always a family, right? Mm -hmm. Kids are what bonds the family together after the divorce. And Mm -hmm. so it's not that it's, the family is no longer in existence. It's always a family. Mom is always going to be mom and dad is always going to be dad. And the truth is, Pathogenic people are pathogenic even before the divorce. It just mm-hmm. oftentimes will elevate or, or, you know, inspire really bad behavior in parents. But yeah, frequently I say to parents, what are you doing? And here's a different way, right? And, and here's how you lead your children out of this versus, you know, keeping them stuck. Oftentimes parents want to defend themselves, right? When kids are coming at them through the narrative of the other parent, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I always say, you know, you don't engage in that. Oftentimes, you know, as the chosen parent or the targeted parent, you're really the emotional trash can for your kids. It's maybe the the other parent is dumping into the child and you really need to let the child dump out, right? Let them get Mm -hmm. the garbage out without taking it personally. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's hard for people to do sometimes, but it really is critical. It's one of the most important things I think parents can do for their children.
0: Mm -hmm. And these parents have to have very thick skin when you have... Yes. Your child yelling at you or talking down to you. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they have to, they have to still be um, what's, uh, disciplined to say, don't talk to me like that. Right. Um, we can talk, but not to yeah. put the, uh, the parent down at the same time. Right.
1: I think with a moment, the parent says something like, don't talk to me like that, that inspires the child to talk to them more like that. And, you know, it's really being in the space of, I hear what you're saying and I understand that you're upset. Mm -hmm. And um, I'd like to have this conversation with you and let's give each other 15 minutes to like get our emotions in line before we have this conversation. So giving the child the opportunity to save face, get the regulate their emotion without saying, don't talk to me like that, right? Because Mm -hmm. the child, the child will immediately be, see, you never listened to me. And, you know, you, you're always in a double bind as Mm -hmm. a um, targeted parent of this pathology. So when you rise to the level of chosen parent, you really start to learn those ninja skills of like, wait a second, you know, this is my child. And, um, I, I'm here as a, as a coach and a teacher, right? So Mm -hmm. And there are better ways to teach children. We just forget because when we're under attack, we're like, we want to be defensive. And so mm-hmm. letting the defense down, being unconditionally landed, uh, uh, unconditionally loving and being that soft place for the children to land, they will mm-hmm. fold back in. You got to make it easy for them. I mm-hmm. Say this to parents all the time. Don't get in an argument with your kids, right? Make it easy. Sometimes just being in your space and just like having peace is, an, is is the only time they have peace when they're coming from a chaotic environment at the other parent's home. And, mm-hmm. you know, we just forget because we, we want, you know, we want to convince our kids of stuff and we want to defend ourselves. And it's just important to know that there's a time and a place to talk about that stuff and do it in therapy or with a coach or with somebody else versus, you know, trying to get your children to understand and resolve it. <clears throat> in a um, in an adversarial environment.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and I know it's it's hard for all parents when their child is screaming at them. And you know, I'm glad you said that because it, I think this will help a lot of people. Just you know, step back and not to take it personal.
1: Yeah,
0: that they need to empty out this emotional garbage. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. it's on. The chosen target parent.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the child didn't choose to be, you know, here. They didn't choose that parent the chosen parent did. Right. So Mm -hmm. I always say to parents, you chose to have children with a pathogenic person, you Mm -hmm. know, sucks for you. It sucks. Right. We don't know what we don't know until we know. Whoops. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it's then a lot of times parents then think it's on the child to figure everything out. And I say Mm -hmm. to parents all the time, how long did it take you to leave the relationship? Oh, I was married for 15 years. Okay. And how long after that 15 year marriage, did you realize what was going on? Oh, a couple of years. All right. So 17 years, it took you to discover that your ex has, is a pathogenic parent or whatever, but now you're expecting your child, your, your, teenager or tween or whatever to have all of this wealth of information and understanding that you didn't have as an adult mm-hmm. and they're like oh well when you frame it like that I'm like yeah because that's the reality of the situation and mm-hmm. people say all the time how could this happen and what you know my kids 15 don't they know better? Well you mm-hmm. didn't know better as a 50 year old so why would your child know better as a 15 year old right mm-hmm. so it's important to really put things into perspective for people because it the The switch flips pretty quickly sometimes from normal range loving kid to all of a sudden the kid is rejecting you and then you're reeling and you've got to figure things out but then we expect the kids to figure it out when when it's taken us a long time to figure it out so Mm -hmm. i think parents just misunderstand that and and they're traumatized right they're Mm -hmm. hurt yeah Mm -hmm. i think some you know uh Psychologists
0: don't understand this as well. When, you know, like when they're court ordered to, to go to a child psychologist and they don't understand or an, and have the knowledge
1: of what is going on. It's disgusting. Mm-hmm. It's disgusting. To me, the people who should be solving this are the mental health professionals surrounding the family court system the mental health providers working with our families in complex trauma surrounding divorce are completely incompetent. It's, I mean, it's such an abomination what's happening in family court around the globe in the mental health community. It's, it, it, it really, it's shocking to me that we are even today, you know, still dealing with a level of mental health professionals not understanding the importance of a parent-child relationship, the importance of what happens when there's a breach in a relationship that it needs to be repaired, the importance of understanding that the attachment system is the, is the primary motivating system of love and bonding. And when a child is rejecting a parent, there's something wrong with their attachment system and we need to get to the bottom of it fast. Like we can't take nine months and 12 months. I mean, I've seen some of these evaluations take over a year Mm -hmm. and then they make no recommendation and they get it wrong. I see Mm -hmm. them do all of the assessments for personality disorders and you see all the more markers for personality disorder, but you know, custody evaluators are trained to not diagnose parents. Don't label the parent. We can't, don't want to make anybody feel bad all while the child is suffering and being abused. It's disgusting. I I Mm. believe it's criminal in my opinion, but you know, it, it really is an abomination. You're Mm. right. They don't, they don't. And I feel like they should know better. That's Mm -hmm. how they're trained, right? They go to college to be experts in understanding. And if you're going to work with the family system surrounding divorce, you better know what you're doing. And they just, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of them don't.
0: And I think a lot of them are not with the program when, you know, there should be family counseling when only one parent is bringing the child, right? And it's on their time that they have the child, but they don't tell the other parent, When this meeting is.
1: Yes. It's insane. Yep. I, I, I literally was talking to a client yesterday with his lawyer and he's in reunification therapy. Do you know how many times he's had a session with his child in the reunification therapy? None. Mm-hmm. Not one session. And yet he's had like five or six sessions with the other parent. And I'm like, well, this isn't couples therapy. This is reunification, which there is no such thing as reunification therapy. And the child has yet to be in any therapeutic sessions. And this is a psychologist. And the psychologist and the guardian ad litem are recommending that the targeted parent have supervised visits, even though he's done literally nothing wrong. There is mm-hmm. nothing. I'm like, that's insane. It's insane. I'm like, do not agree to that. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're right. Or they have reunification. We've seen this recently because of COVID. The um, child is with the pathogenic parent and they're on Zoom with the pathogenic parent, you know, on the other side doing reunification therapy with the targeted parent and the therapist on Zoom at the chosen parent's house. Like Mm -hmm. It's like a hostage situation, right? right? That's like Insanity. And they think that this is okay. And they continue to do it. I, I, well, you can tell I get a little passionate about that. That is very infuriating. That is incredibly incompetent. And it's actually abuse. I think that it, it is colluding with abusive parents and continuing to abuse children by leaving them in that environment. It's, it's disgusting. It's disgust. I don't, I just don't have a better word for it. It is really mm-hmm. disgusting. <laughs> it is. I totally agree with you. And it is criminal. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah, it's, it, it's so horrible for the kids and the child is trapped. And again, it goes back to what I said earlier, the child loves both of their parents and they love this abusive parent and anybody who's worked in child abuse will tell you that you know children will lie for their abusive parent all the time but only in family court do we have this notion that oh children don't lie well they wouldn't lie about the other parent well they wouldn't do that it's like are you kidding me first of all children lie all the time and mm-hmm. second of all they're going to lie to protect their abusive parent and there's always things like this going on where the abusive parent is like, if you say that they're going to take you from me, you know, all of those kinds of crazy things. So the child is, is living in fear, but mm-hmm. it's delusional that the other parent, the chosen parent, right? The targeted parent is somehow doing something bad when they're not. And, you know, there should only be no contact with a parent temporarily when a parent is abusive. And we don't leave that. In a disrepaired state, we repair that as soon as possible, so we don't leave a relationship between a parent and a child in a preached state. And the family court system does this constantly, and they most of the time get it wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, they just miss it; they don't know what they're doing. Do you think the judges
0: should be maybe if the judges were younger, and they were, um, say, alienated children themselves? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe they could see through all of this. Um, Yeah. I don't know, because we've got these older judges that need to get off the bench and get some new blood in there Mm -hmm. that they can understand and say, oh, yeah, I was in that position. I see what's going on.
1: (laughs) Mm Yeah. Yeah. I I think the whole system needs really an overhaul. I think that we definitely, younger judges would be helpful. People, I think everybody that works in family law, um, from the lawyers all the way to the judges and every every peripheral in between should be trained in this family dynamic. Everyone, they should all understand from an, an actual clinical perspective, like what child psychological abuse is, right, and how it manifests, and they should all know what the markers are, and <clears throat> I think the whole uh, mental health community surrounding family law, they, they they need a whole, that needs a whole overhaul too. Some of these mm-hmm. evaluators are also old guard, been around for decades, um, you know, th- trained with the AFCC, a- a- which in my opinion, is Dr. Childress calls them the, um, the Death Star from, um, Star Wars. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're training. They're just like, they, they don't get it. It's, it, it's, I feel like it's a little more insidious than that. I feel like they actually do get it. They don't want to solve it. They just, mm-hmm. there's no motivation to solve it because then mm-hmm. where are they going to get their money? Right.
0: I was just going to say that. <laughs>
1: yeah. Where are they going to get their money? Mm-hmm. and the longer a family stays in discord right in 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 conflict the more money they make i've i've seen families get bled dry of all of their money and then they just get abandoned by the system and the children are fully cut off mm-hmm. and they don't know what to do you know they they they're at a loss homeless you know i see a lot of people call us they're they're literally homeless they've lost all they've lost everything including their family they're so depressed they've lost their jobs um, it's disgusting. And it's all perpetuated by the family court system.
0: Mm-hmm. I I think this family court system perpetuates this parental alienation that's running Absolutely. rampant. Mm-hmm. And um, some people will say, no, it's still junk science. But um, once you've lived it, then you'll get it. Yes,
1: I agree. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, that's what I love about Dr. Childress's work is he really has brought us back out of the wilderness of of parental alienation as a new form of pathology you know his work really says no we're not talking about a new form of pathology we're actually talking about child psychological abuse we're talking about a dysfunction in the attachment system right we're talking about the fingerprinting of a narcissistic borderline parent on a child children aren't narcissists or borderline they that the pathology isn't isn't Um, can't be diagnosed in a child. So if they have the behaviors of that, it's the fingerprinting of a parent. Is it mom, dad, or both? And then when a child has a encapsulated persecutory delusion, they have a fixed and false belief about the other parent that that even in the face of evidence, they believe it to be true. And then you have the mental health community who says, well, they believe it's true, so you need to apologize for it. It's like, well, now what you're saying to me as a mental health provider, I need to reinforce a delusion in my child. You're telling me I Need to create psychopathology in the child. So mm-hmm. we don't have to call it parental alienation. We can call it what it actually is, which is child psychological abuse. And again, when there is a dysfunction in the love and bonding system, I mean, we could call it the attachment system, but the attachment system is the primary motivating system of love and bonding, right? It's the mm-hmm. primary motivation system. So if you cut that off, you can't just numb that with one person. They start to numb that within themselves, right? So Mm -hmm. the child starts to reject themselves, who they are, right? And the system, Mm -hmm. family court system says, well, you got to pick one, right? It's like, no, you don't. Shared parenting should be the norm. And then there should be um, exceptions to the norm, right? But Mm -hmm. shared parenting should just be out of the gate, the norm, because children benefit from having a relationship with both their mother and their father. And if there's dysfunction, we have to, we have to remedy that mm-hmm. soon, quick. Mm-hmm.
0: And I, I agree with that. I love what you just said. I just wish people would do it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know. <Yeah>. I know. <laughs> slowly but surely it's coming around. I mean, when I started this work, you know, I started this work because I was a formerly alienated child and I went through my own divorce and my mom and my ex were trying to alienate me from my children, but they were so young. I didn't really understand what was happening until I was a little bit older and my dad was diagnosed with cancer. And I was like, oh snap, I got to fix this. But when I went out on the journey of discovery, you know, what is this? There, there's so many of the professionals, they, they didn't want to solve it. They, would, they were almost, uh, not almost, they really were very rude and disrespectful to me mm-hmm. as the alienated kid. I found it really interesting. It was like they were put off. It was like, you know, well, look what you've done. You know, here you are in your mid thirties mm-hmm. and, you know, just fix it. We'll just reunite. And it was like, well, I'm coming to you for help. You know, I'm actually the child, and um, but there was no empathy, and I think that is probably the biggest problem with the entire system is the lack of empathy for every person in the family dynamic, especially the chosen parent and the child. There's zero empathy for um, this family, and when the family is going through the system and it's it's rampant in our society and it it really it creates massive dysfunction and you know this this lack of understanding right and empathy mm-hmm. for what people are experiencing creates such disconnect and covid has just fueled that since we've you know been separated even just as a society
0: mm mm-hmm.
1: yeah this has been a disaster <laughs> yes it has is. It's a disaster. Yeah.
0: You know, and how, you know, I'm sure you're very busy with, you know, seeing people. And, you know, do you see a lot of happy kids come out of this or are they kind of melancholy?
1: Yeah. So a lot of kids, um, when they first, like if they get court ordered into the workshop, when, when, when the family comes to the high road there, it's pretty extreme, right? So, um, they usually come in, you know, angry, um, sometimes sullen you know but mostly pissed and mm-hmm. they um by usually by noon the second day i call the what i call the authentic child enters the room you see the child who has been s- suppressed pushed below the surface really just pops into the room you mm-hmm. see them um by contact with their beloved parent um oftentimes we hear they, they start instead of calling them by their first name it's mom or dad um, And by the end of the workshop, you know, they're, they're, they're happy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, some of them are, are, they're worried. You know what I, I would say the, the range of emotions go from happy to worried about the other parent. Oftentimes they're worried that the other parent isn't going to get on board, right? The other parent isn't going to do what needs to be done. Mm -hmm. Um, the younger ones worry, you know, will I be able to um, master the skills learned, right? The communication Mm -hmm. skills, which they master in the workshop. It just takes time to really make it a habit. Um, And Mm -hmm. so, but they're, they're happy. They take a little vacation with their parent after the workshop and, Mm -hmm. you know, the reports are, I always get pictures and, you know, Mm -hmm. reports back and, you know, so much gratitude and they're having fun and smiles and, and things like that. So, Um, you know, we've had a few kids through the years that, you know, they're just, they're pissed, right? They've, they've Mm -hmm. been in the system for a long time. They're just angry. And um, I think the hardest person to recover in the whole family dynamic is um, outside of the pathogenic parent, obviously is the, the targeted parents because, and I try to set them up with this, but when the child, when their authentic child enters the room it's almost like a um, a spouse that's been um, dealing with an alcoholic, and the alcoholic goes to rehab, and they come back a couple months later, and they're like, "I'm great, and I'm clean and sober, and I'm going to do all these great things." But the left behind spouse is like, you know, looking in the drawers and checking their book, and che- you know, looking for everything to find the evidence. They're almost paranoid, and then they're then they're angry, like, "Well, mm-hmm. why weren't you like this when?" the whole time right and so this is what happens with the parents when the authentic child just like bloop, 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 comes to the surface in their normal range again like it's just they're free and the parent a lot of times they're like well wait a second like why weren't you like this the whole time and i have to remind them like remember you were in a fog too so mm-hmm. when you fumbled and bumbled out of the relationship you were in relationship with that person too who's pathogenic it took you a while to merge out of the fog and and become normal range again. So same thing with your child, have grace, right? And, and gratitude that as I tell everybody, the authentic child is always there. You mm-hmm. just got to get them, you know, free to be to bubble back up to the surface. Mm-hmm. So yeah, does that make sense? Definitely.
0: What do you think about these parents that financially control their children to keep them away from <laughs> the other parent? A lot of parents like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it works. I always say to parents, listen, it works temporarily, but we are who we are as human beings and we all want to experience unconditional love and don't lose sight of that and love your child right love your Mm -hmm. child don't compete with the other parent especially if you can't like don't do that love your child unconditionally the child wants love and affection from you it's the again the attachment system it's the primary motivating drive for love and bonding and it's not stuff right? It's the, Mm -hmm. it's the time and the energy and the unconditionally love and acceptance that you have for your child. So yeah, those parents are annoying because the other parent gets hooked into it, right? So you got to clean up your side of the aisle and still show up for your kids and don't compete. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, that's a big thing. That's definitely, um, you know, I just want all of this to, I just, I just would like people just to behave and do the right thing.
1: know,
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just not that difficult, but the thing that happens to a lot of parents is when they remarry, you could have a very good co-parenting relationship and it can go south because they have remarried and that step, well, I don't know if you should call them a stepmother or stepfather could insert themselves in the relationship between, you yeah. know, the the co-parent the co-parents yeah and just demolish it
1: happens all the time mm-hmm. all the time you see it go a couple of ways um there's a weird competition it's mostly i see it mostly with women that the stepmom and the mom um that, you know there's this weird competition that gets fueled and um that is a bad situation and then i also see it where a step parent Um, this oftentimes after the children get reunited with their, with the, with their spouse, and then they're like, Oh, I don't really want this. You know, I, Mm -hmm. I, uh, I really liked our life when your kids weren't here, but now that your kids are here, it's a different thing. And Mm -hmm. so they sabotage that too. And, um, that's also unfortunate. And I see parents, choose a spouse over their kids. And I'm like, there shouldn't be choices people, right. It Mm -hmm, should be mm -hmm. love is abundant. We should be integrating. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you're with somebody new who isn't integrating with your children, then you need to take a hard look at that relationship, but Mm -hmm. people, they don't, you know, they, they're um, I think a lot of parents can be immature. Sometimes, you know, Mm -hmm. a lot of people are immature and, you know, a lot of people get married at a level and they trauma bond, they get Mm -hmm. divorced in that trauma bond, they don't resolve the trauma, right? So then they re-trauma bond bond with somebody else. They don't see that they're repeating their patterns over and over again. Mm -hmm. And um, people don't wanna take responsibility. And I really believe the the solution lies in 100% responsible 100% of the time. And um, when you can show up in the world that way, everything Mm -hmm. around you shifts, including your children including mm-hmm. your children. You teach them by being a leader, right? By, by mm-hmm. leading by example. And that's critical.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, in, how do parents contact you? Can parents just, even if they're not court ordered, can yeah. they still come to you?
1: Of course. Yeah, so um, they can contact us. You can call our 800 number. It's 888-379-7279. Or you can email us at, at com. Or you can go check us out on our website, which is uh, conscious co And, and, uh, we have a lot of different programs. We really do meet the parents, the divorcing or separating parents need wherever they are in the process. So yeah, you don't have to be in court. You can, um, we have awesome parenting classes. We have lots of coaching. We have a lot of things available. So come check us out. I think that's excellent. Is there anything else you'd like to add? I don't think so. We covered a lot of ground today. We did, didn't we? Yes. <laughs> Well, I
0: appreciate having you on and um, I'll probably have you back on again if you like.
1: Of course. That'd be lovely. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. I did too. Thank you, Dorsey.
0: A Slam the Gavel is a podcast to help the public understand what really goes on in the family courtrooms that in turn perpetuate parental alienation. I'm your host, Marianne Petrie, author of Dismantling Family Court Corruption, Why Taking the Kids Was Not Enough, and Cry Out for Justice, Poems of Truth. Please join us again in the future for another exciting episode. And again, thank you, Ms. Dorsey Pruder. Thank you so much, Marianne. I really appreciate it.
1: Have a great one. You too.